0: Episode number 47. There's an error being made between the internal and the external. Even though externally it looks like we are successful, we're great, we're smart, we have all these qualities. But the qualities are gifts from God. Welcome to the Higher Life Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Niterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitraf with this week's Higher Life Podcast. Torah portion of the week is Tzaveh, How to Overcome Arrogance, Removing the Imposter. We're going to have a powerful parable about the shiny dishes, a great story about Rav Shach, and peace in your home, the introduction of Rav Simcha Cohen. And now, the Torah portion of the week with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. In this week's parsha, we have the verse in Shmos 28.2 that says like this, And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for honor and for glory. These are the garments of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest. The Ramban explains what does it mean for honor and for glory. This is the same type of clothes that kings used to wear at the time of the giving of the Torah. So we're talking about garments that were only fit for a king. And he goes on to explain not just the form of the garment, but also the colors of the garment. He says, as for turquoise... No man today would even dare to lift his hand to wear turquoise, except for the kingdom of nations. So the garments that God commanded that Aaron should wear since he was the high priest were kingly garments that only a king would wear. And this would separate him from the people to make him on a higher level as if he was a king. Everybody would be scared. He would be higher and separate. But if Mordechai Miller from Gateshead points out that there's a contradiction here. Early in the Parsha, we know that the cloak that Aaron had to wear had on the bottom of it, pomegranates and bells and the bells would make noise the verse explains this will be worn by Aaron as he serves in the temple so that the tinkling of the bells will signal his approach as he comes into the sanctuary into the presence of God and as he departs that he will not die in other words he had to have bells that would make noise before he went into the Holy of Holies that it would signal his presence so that he wouldn't die and the rabbi explains it's just like going into a real king Nobody would barge in on a real king. So the bells were a sign of humility and derech eretz, the way of the world, that a person should be humble before he comes into the Holy of Holies. And this was the reality of walking on a king. We know by and by Achosverosh, that if you would go into him without knocking, without being announced, without announcing yourself, you would be killed. So there's a contradiction here. On one side, the garments that the holy priest had to wear that it was for Kavu, to separate him from the people, to make him great, to show his greatness, his honor, his glory, his splendor. On the other side, the garments themselves were a sign of humility, so that he should have the feelings of dread and submission and humility before he goes into the Holy of Holies. So internally, the high priest himself, when he puts on these clothes, there's an emotional contradiction. On one side, the clothes make him feel great. On the other side, the clothes are supposed to make him feel humble. So how does Aaron, a Kohen, and any other Kohen Gadol reconcile these mixed emotions? Now we know there's a Gemara Pesachim, 112a, where Rabbi Akiva instructed his son, Rabbi Yeshua, not even to go into his own house without knocking. There's another Gemara that says that Hashem hates three people, and one of them is someone who comes in his house without knocking. The Rashbam explains that it's a matter of derech, it's that you should not disturb the privacy of people when you walk into your house, even in your own house. So even if a man has the fanciest house or the man has the fanciest garments like the Adol, he still has to be in a position of humility when he walks in. So we need to explain how greatness and splendor and glory goes together with humility. So there's the Pasik in Devarim 7.7 7 that says like this, It is not because you are more numerous than the other nations that God desired you. He chooses you because you are the least of all the nations. That was the verse. And Rashi explains The least means that you do not exalt yourselves when you are granted the blessings of God. On the contrary, you belittle yourselves. Like Avram who said, I am dust and ashes. And Moses and Aaron who said, What are we? And not like Nebuchadnezzar who said, I shall be like the Most High. Or Heriv who said, Who can save Jerusalem from my hand? It is because Israel do not vaunt themselves in this way and God desires them. So Rashi points at it, there's a Jewish quality that the Jews do not attribute to themselves their powers and their qualities and their prosperity. They don't say it's their own skill or their own merits, but really they attribute everything to God and they know it's a gift from God. And that's what we saw by the high priest. Even though he's wearing royal garments, on the bottom there's little bells to make him modest and submissive. And we know that after the destruction of the temple, King Akhoshverus wore these garments. But he wore them for arrogance. He wore them at the 180-day party that he made for the the nation. That's when he brought out Vashti naked and he wanted to shower off to everybody. And it says there in the Megillah, after he killed Vashti, a message should be sent out to all the nation, that each man should be a master of his own home. So this is the exact opposite of what we just learned. The Gemara said that when you walk into your own house, you should knock. That even in the, your, your most intimate life, in things that you own, your attitude should be an attitude of humility. So the question now is, how do we actually acquire this humility? Even though it may be latent in all of us, how do we manifest it and bring it into the world to make it part of our personalities? Not a simple thing. So the Baal Shem Tov brings a muscle, an unbelievable Masha, to explain how to achieve this. One time the emperor was going to visit a certain town. So the prince of that town figures he has to go and meet the emperor with cover, So he puts on his best clothes, his clothes that represent him as the prince. He gets himself to find his chariot. And now he's going to bring the emperor into the city that everybody should be happy to see him. So what happened? When the emperor and the prince came into the city, they were, you could hardly recognize who was who because the prince overdid it. He dressed so well, he dressed like the emperor. So what happened is the people made a mistake. They thought the prince was the emperor, and they ignored the emperor completely. So every cheer and every outburst of honor from the crowd, the prince was cringing. The more the people honored him, the more mortified he was. And he knew later that he'd have to pay for his insult to the king. That was the mushal. The nimshaw is that if a person feels alone in the chariot, when he gets praised, he accepts it. Yeah, it's really me. I'm great. But a person always feels he's together with a Kaddish Baruch Hu, that God is with him. You have the opposite reaction. Every time somebody praises him, say, don't praise me, praise God. There's an error being made between the internal and the external. Even though externally it looks like we are successful, we're great, we're smart, we have all these qualities. But the qualities are gifts from God. So the more somebody that would praise our qualities, we would cringe if we were humble, if we really believed and understood that our gifts come from God, that our success comes from God. It's not our success. It's not because we're so smart. So this is how you solve the contradiction. It's adoraba. The more praise you get, the more humble you become. When Aaron a coin put on those priestly garments, he understood who he really was. He was standing before the king of kings. The garments himself humbled him. And it wasn't that he said, oh, the garments are not a big deal. No, the garments were beautiful. They were great. A person has beautiful qualities, great qualities. A person has unbelievable success. Not to belittle the thing itself, but to understand that where it came from, it came from the bracha that Hashem gave him. It came from the blessings that he received at birth, or even if he developed it himself, it came from the koach, the strength that God gave him to succeed. And the success itself only came because God, because of a degree from heaven. That God said, yes, you can have these things, you can be successful. It's all in the hand of God. So this is a tremendous chiddish, a new idea, in the understanding of what humility is. The more blessings you have, the more humble you'll become. So at the beginning of the parsha, you have another verse. It says like this, And you will command the children of Israel that they should take for you clear olive oil, crushed for illumination, to light a lamp continually. It's the Nair tamid. That's the ner, the light that you see. In every shul, you have a light in front of the aron of Kodesh that always burns. It's on 24-7. So this was the light in the temple. So there's a famous kasha that the Midrash Rabbah asks, Why does God need us to light a light? God's the light of the world. What does he need with our light? So the Midrash gives his own answer. But the Svas Emes wants to answer in a certain sense, no, we do bring light to the world. How do we bring light to the world? With our maisim tovim, with our actions and our mitzvahs. By doing mitzvahs, we bring God into the world. People see chesed, kindness, righteousness, hard work, mysterious nefesh, a willing to be able to give ourselves over to a Kaddish Baruchel. People see that and they appreciate it. It brings light into the world. But the Svas Emes wants to explain all of this does not come from our power. God commands us to perform mitzvahs, and He's the one that generates the light to go into the world from those mitzvahs. Even though it's true that Mysim Tovim, good deeds, make people more cheerful and bring a brighter world. That's only because Hashem said so. It has nothing to do with intrinsically with our actions. It's only the blessing of God. When we use our bodies to do mitzvahs, our limbs become vessels for the light of Torah. It's all Hashem. It's true, we have the free will. When I move my little finger, the only thing that I'm actually doing is deciding to move my little finger. But the fact that my little finger moves, that's all Hashem. All a person is, is his free will. He's the one who makes the decision. But all the tozoot that comes out of it, everything that comes out of that, it's only coming from the strength that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving the person. Rev. Noam Elimelech also speaks on this concept. It's very interesting. You have a lot of them aforeshin bringing down the same concept in this week's Parsha. He has a question. How can it be that a righteous person has the ability to heal the sick or liberate captives or do miracles? That's one question. And his second question, it says in Kehelus, there's nothing new under the sun. So how could it be that a person can bring something new, a new chidush a Torah, a new novel idea, something revolutionary that he learned from the Torah that was never in the world before? Where does a person get that strength from? We know that all the great rabbis through all the generation wrote chidushim, new novel ideas, things that were not revealed before. And that's the excitement that a person gets in learning Torah. He learns it over again and he sees another angle, another light, another beauty. So how can it be new if it's already written in the Torah? If what you're saying is Torah, so it was already said before. We already have the Torah. And if your Chiddush is not Torah, so it has nothing to do with the Torah. So what's a Chiddush? What's a new novel idea? So if Noam Elimelech wants to answer, he says that everything that comes into this world has a root above. It's like we shake the roots above so things can be drawn down here below. He brings a verse. You have done many things, Hashem. Hashem, my God. You've affected many causes and actions. So he explains that the root of everything stays above. The mitzvahs are given over for us, for here to perform. So when a tzaddik heals a person, he's using the strength that comes from above. And when a person has a chiddush, a new idea, he's just bringing what's above, he's bringing it down. But either way, the source is not coming from us. We're just shluchim, messengers. And that's why we should be humble. And just the opposite. The more the people praise us, the bigger our khadushim, the better our clothes, the nicer car we have. The more we have, we should be more humble. I want to end off with the Mesil Yisharim. He says like this. Any virtue that he acquires is nothing less than a divine act of benevolence, that it has been done in his favor, even though he is by very nature physical makeup, lowly and shameful. Therefore, we must thank one who graced him in this matter and humble himself before him all the more so. He brings a muscle. It's like a pauper, a poor person who received a gift. The more he is treated with kindness, the greater will be his shame. And the same applies to any individual. For his eyes are open and permit him to see that the attainment of his virtues is from Hashem himself. And this is what David Amalek said. How can I repay the eternal for the kindness he has done to me? I think this is a tremendous Chiddush, a novel idea on how to reach humility. By understanding that everything we receive is from God, automatically we'll be humble. And the more we receive, the more humble we will be. So the nicer our car, the nicer our garments, the nicer our house, the more chokhmim we have, the more matzliach we are, the more successful we are, the more humble we should become. I know that's not the way of the world, but this needs to be worked on and thought about. At least it's a way, it's a Derek that we can think about to achieve true humility. Here's a powerful parable to open your mind and help you reach your potential. The Magi Maduba also brings this verse: "To keep the lamp burning continuously." Similarly, he says, "The light of Tor never goes out and always illuminates the world." For we can always constantly find more and more wisdom within the Torah. He wants to bring a marshal of a guest who came to the house of important noblemen. When he walked in the house, he noticed these gleaming vessels, these dishes, such beautiful dishes. These dishes were so beautiful that anybody who walked in the house would look at them for a couple of minutes. They couldn't tear their eyes away from them. But what happened? They got people who worked in the house no longer looked at those dishes. They got used to them. They didn't pay attention to them. So the nimshaw is, this is not true for people who learn Torah. If you go to a place where you see people learning, they're happy, they're excited, just screaming and yelling in a base midrash, it's very noisy. They're enjoying what they're doing. It's so sweet every moment because they're finding more and more hadushi, more and more novel ideas are coming out of the Torah. The more they learn, the more they understand, the deeper it goes. But this is not true by a person who never learned Torah, who has never experienced the base midrash, the yeshivas. They don't see anything. They're not impressed by it at all. It's time Four Great Stories About Great Rabbis The Sefer Achinek explains on the verse And the Choshin shall not be loosened upon the eifot We're talking about the clothes of the Kohen Gadol And it has to be musudar, organized He explains that people are impressed by beauty and splendor And thus commanded to spare no element of beauty The mitzvah of the Choshin shall not be loosened It's a requirement of the Kohen Gadol that he looks perfect We know that the shloah ruled that children should learn from new books. They should be happy with their books. It should be beautiful. Rabbi Kiva Eger himself instructed to his son that his book should be printed on fine paper with beautiful black ink and it should have a red cover. Because he explained, the soul is impressed and the understanding is broadened and the intent is strengthened through learning through an attractive, splendid book. That's human nature. We have beautiful books you can enjoy learning. So one time, Rev Shach asked one of his Talmidim to bring him a very old copy of the Shulchan Aruch. So he couldn't understand why the Rav wants such an old copy of the Shulchan Aruch. The new one surely has everything that the old one has. So when he asked Reb Shach, he explained, I wanted to take this volume home and learn from it tonight because I'm afraid that if students come looking for this volume of the Shulchan Aruch, if I take the new one, they're going to wind up with the old one and they won't learn from it properly. They won't be as excited. Therefore I'll be responsible for their lack of learning. I'd rather take the old one myself, so that the students can learn from the newer editions. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is peace in your home. So Rav Simcha Cohen, the one who wrote Habayat Ayudi, the famous book on Shalom Bayas, he has another book. The name of this book is What Did You Say? Making yourself understood in a Marriage. So I want to go through the introduction. He says that shalom bayis, peace in your home, is not just if you're having trouble. It's even if things are okay, but it's tremendous mitzvah to come closer and closer together as a couple. Because if that's true, if you have real love in your house, the children grow up healthy, they succeed in school, they feel secure. And the opposite, God forbid. And throughout the generations, Jewish leaders, the rabbis always were very concerned with peace in the home. And they consider it one of their most critical duties to make sure that the Jewish people have shalom bias. In Rabbi Rabinassin, it explains that Aaron Cohen, the high priest, brought peace to thousands of families. And these families named their sons Aaron. Aaron Cohen, the Kohen Gadol, he's involved in bringing peace into people's homes. It's a Jewish idea. And where do we know that even if things are okay, things should be better? We know from the Pesukim Embrashis. When the angels came to visit Avram Avino, they asked, where is Sari, your wife? And Rashi explains there. That was to show that she's modest. To show Avram that she's modest. To praise her in front of Avraham. Now I'm sure we know that Avram Avinu's house was like the base of Migdash. The Shekhinah was there. God's presence was in the house of Avram Avino. And all the Base of Migdash itself with the Shokan and the Nair, everything that's happening there is just a reenactment of the house of Sarah and Avraham Avinu. And Avopi, even though the angel came to praise Sarah in front of Avraham that they should even have more peace in their house. So it's not just when there's trouble. It's even when things are good. It never ends. It goes further and deeper and more and more love. The Ramban explains that when it comes to the mitzvah, love your neighbor as yourself, it's kimat virtually impossible to do by another person. The only place in our generation where maybe we can do it is between husband and wife. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love your spouse as yourself. Now, this is not simple because the house has a lot of stress in it. Every house, with children, money problems, all kinds of situations are occurring. And that's why the Pasach says, when a man takes a new wife, he should be free at home for one year. And the Sefer chinuch explains there, that he should create a family unit. That even though there are differences between the couple, they have to both come to the conclusion that they were meant for each other. By feeling they were meant for each other, will be able to overcome any difficulties. But it's not impossible and involves small, simple words and deeds. The lo it's not in heaven, it's here on earth. He claims, though, problems have arose in the recent generations. One is because of the prosperity of everybody. People are overindulged. They're oversensitive. They're overdependent. We've been spared the hardships of our grandparents, but along with that came some bad character traits. We don't know how to overcome anything. We don't know how to withstand any kind of discomfort. So that's one of the reasons why there's not peace in the home. Another reason is because society is so forcrumped. Things have changed crooked. Man's supposed to be a woman. A woman's supposed to be a man. Woman has to work, and a man has to take care of the house. But when the roles become confused. So it creates stress. No one knows what they're supposed to do. And it makes people argue. So he claims that most of the problems are really just a lack of basic knowledge. We don't know how to behave ourselves when it comes to the opposite sex. We never learned how, we weren't taught. It's a question of education. We believe because the other person is evil. They're bad. The wife is bad, the husband is bad. But really that's not true. It's coming from ignorance because we're not behaving properly, and they're not behaving properly. But with a little bit of education, we can overcome these things. Many times the problem comes just because that we don't understand that that's a female trait, or that's a masculine trait. We blame it on our wives and our husbands, but really it's true by every man or every woman. We're confused. So, Bizrat Hashem, with the help of God, through educating ourselves, we can bring more peace into our homes. Okay, that's it for this week's podcast. Please share it with your friends. And if you could do me a personal favor, go to iTunes and leave a comment and a rating. It's really going to help to spread this podcast. Thank you for listening. Your voicemail could be featured on the Higher Life Podcast. Just visit RabbiMinterhoff.com to ask questions or leave comments.